Thank you, Ethan. We appreciate him and getting up and reading the scripture for us tonight. Now, I was just quickly scooting to this side so I wouldn't have to waste any time, or so I'm going to tell you. He did a fine job, and we sure appreciate him. All right, tonight. Now, this morning I held you a little extra, so I'll, maybe I'll get you out a minute or two early if you're lucky. All right. Tonight, our character, as you might have guessed, is Hannah. Hannah, one of the fine women of the Bible. Now, there's not just a lot that is spoken of in regards to her life, but there is a portion in which we can see a very spiritual woman. We can see a lady who suffers through despair. And ultimately, we see Hannah, a woman that was eager to go to God in prayer. And I think as you look at her life, one of the greatest things that we can recognize is her desire to cast her cares upon God. As we begin tonight, I do want to thank each one for being here. If you're visiting with us, uh, we greatly appreciate you. And I know Mike is gone this week, but make sure you come back next week. And uh, we would love to have you be with us once again. Hannah. First mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 2, we find that Elkanah has two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. She had no children. Now, as you look at the story of Hannah, this was a, a cause for heartache. It was a, an issue in her life. You know, it mentions in verse 5 that Elkanah, her husband, had given her a double portion. Now within this, we see Hannah had a desire to worship. We see the other wife also went to worship, and then her sons or her children as well. But when they went, it says to Hannah he would give a double portion you might notice it says, for he loved Hannah. I think it's very possible that Elkanah understood. She's got a lot of despair. She's got a lot of heartache that comes from her desire to have children. But it hasn't happened. It hasn't worked out. But yet we see Elkanah loves her. He gives her a double portion and it says, although the Lord had closed her womb, she hadn't had the opportunity to bear children. Now this was a, a time of despair. It was a time of heartache. It was a time of hurt. But it doesn't say what all Hannah had said or what she had pointed out, but no doubt Elkanah knew she was hurting. As they would go to worship, she would received the devil portion to give as well. But you notice in verse 6 and 7 that it goes even deeper than struggling with an issue. It goes even deeper than her not being able to, to bear children, but notice in verse 6 it says, and her rival provoked her severely. You can imagine the heartache, something that's on your heart and it's heavy, 
and it's bothering you and then everybody finds out and they just want to rub some salt in the wound. They just want to make it a little, a little more difficult. It says her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 7, it says, So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. And therefore she wept and did not eat. You know, possibly it's as Elkanah passes out the, the portion to be given. Could be that she sees all of Penina's children receiving a portion to give. And Penina receives a portion... And yet on her side of the family, all Hannah had was herself. You know, sometimes I think it's great to recognize what's said, but sometimes I also like to take a pause and recognize some of the things that aren't said. It doesn't say anything about what Hannah said to retaliate. It doesn't say anything about Hannah ever saying a word back to Penina. But you know, it mentions her in verse 6 as a, as a rival. It mentions her as provoking or severely. But it never says that Hannah did anything to try to get at her. In fact, as you look at the record, the only thing the record states is what she does after. As they go to make an offering... It seems as though each time they go to make an offering, it's as though it comes up once again every year. Maybe it settles down throughout the, the period of a year, but when they go up to make an offering, here comes Penina pointing it out once again, saying, oh, well, look at you. You don't have any children. Hannah already hurting, no doubt she thought about it often from the context. It doesn't ever mention anything of her reply. But you know, Elkanah, her husband, in verse 18, or sorry, verse 8 says, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? I think the answer is uh, self-evident. But we don't see any reply to him as well. We don't hear that she threw a pan and said, leave me alone. You don't hear any of her actions. But rather when we see that she was caught in this moment of despair, when she was caught in the, the depths of heartache... We see her mind and where it goes. Notice in verse 9 it says, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul. Why? Everything we just read about. She's had Penina breathing down her back, it seems. She has Elkanah trying to come in and save the day. And so in verse 10, we see her in the depth of her hole. We see her, her 
swallowed up by the world and the problems and the despair that's in it. And it says, and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. No doubt at times she probably prayed, she probably wept to her husband. But we never see anything that points to her lashing out at those that are commenting on her issue, on her problems. The reality is that we've all got problems. We've all got despair, things that bother us. It doesn't have to be that we couldn't bear children. There's still different issues that each one of us deals with. Could be that you're balding prematurely. I don't know. Billy said, that ain't nothing. <laughs> but you've got different despairs. You've got problems in life. And I think as you consider Hannah, one of the greatest ways that she is in, as an example is that when she was in despair, when she was in trouble and heartache and sorrow, we see what she does. She turns it over in prayer. She turns it over to God. In Jamaica, they used to sing a, sing a hymn, turn it over to Jesus, turn it over to Jesus, turn it over to Jesus and everything will be okay. As we pray and we cast all your cares upon Him, we see that we've got hope through the Savior. Despair comes to all men. Job chapter 14 and verse 1 says, Man who is born of woman is full of trouble. There's only a few days and he's full of trouble. But the reality is, life will soon be over but the reality is trouble is going to come it's a fact of life within being a Christian the reality is that you will be persecuted I've heard it said before if you've never experienced persecution maybe you should consider your spiritual walk the light that you shine the example that people look at or recognize in Psalm chapter 90 in verse 10, we see, you know, you're going to live 70 or 80 years. The days of our lives are 70 years, or by reason of strength, they're 80 years. He said, yet your boast is labor and sorrow. It is a fact of life. Life's not easy. Think of Geraldine recently losing a mate. Think life's easy? Life's full of trouble, sorrow. But it'll soon be cut off. We'll all fly away. We look forward to a home in heaven. Don't get cast down by your burdens to where you realize there's nothing left. But rather, when you find yourself in affliction, understand that there's so much more. As you look to Hannah... The worst time of our life, she values prayer. She gives her problems to the Lord. Look at verse 10 again. It says, and she was in bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. As she searches for comfort, she addresses the Lord. 
She looks in the right direction. You go down to verse 11, and Hannah prays about her biggest problem. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed, indeed look on the infliction of your maidservant and remember me. She says, It's tough, God. I'm hurting. She says, Don't forget me. Notice not only did she pray about her biggest problem, but within her prayer she offers devotion. She said, don't forget your maidservant, but if you'll give your maidservant a child, a male child, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. She offers a prayer of devotion. You know, I think sometimes when we get down to the depths of pain and sorrow and anguish, a lot of times it helps us more devote ourselves to the Master. More devote ourselves to giving our life to Christ. You know, as we look at, at Hannah, she had a great desire. You know, sometimes, I think they say today, they say it, uh, it hits you in your feels. You know, sometimes you, you hear a lesson and it, it cuts your heart. Might be that a tear falls from your face because you, you feel it. You feel it down deep. You recognize, man, that's about me. Could be this morning that you said, wow, Jesus really was sacrificed for me. And so it's in your feelings and you recognize the emotion that comes along with it. And no doubt from that place of emotion we'll be able to better understand what takes place in the following verses. When you pour out your heart of something that's very dear to you it might so happen that you tear up. You know, Yvette sometimes talks about uh, tears and she'll talk about they cried real big. Other times she'll say, and it was an ugly cry. As you look at Hannah, I have a feeling that what you're fixing to see is an ugly cry. She was showing everything. She was opening her heart and pouring it out to the Lord. And sometimes I think we're too afraid to do that. You know, we've got to uh, keep this persona where everybody recognizes that I'm an emotionless, strong, independent male. But Hannah wasn't afraid to pour out her heart. All right, let's see what happens. Start in verse 12. And it has, as it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. It says, now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved. Her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Aunt Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. I'm a woman of sorrowful 
spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I have a feeling that as she bowed her head and moved her lips and didn't make a sound that you could see tears coming from her face. I have a feeling that you can recognize that there is something definitely wrong here and that's exactly what Samuel said. He said, she's messed up. But oh, what a misunderstanding. Hannah was misunderstood because she was praying from the depth of her spirit. From the depth of her heart within her. She offers this prayer to the Lord. Notice verse 16. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. Man, she just poured out her heart to God and now she, she feels as though... She's being looked down upon once again. It's like, well, here I am. We can't have children and it's, it's a terrible time. We've got Penina that, that always looks down on me and provokes me and does everything she can to show how much better she is than me. And I go in here and offer a prayer and Samuel... priests the most holy person in her mind on earth because God wasn't there yet physically just came to her and said look lady you're messed up what are you doing here basically he says go home and sober up and then you can come back and talk to God. She says, you got the wrong woman. She said, I'm just giving my heart to the Lord. She said, out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. She said, I'm just pouring my heart out to the Lord. Within Hannah's prayer... I think one of the greatest tasks that parents have is choosing to devote their children to the Lord. You know, as I think about the great tasks that we have on earth, I think our greatest task is making sure that me, I, Jared Rhodes, do my dead level best to get to heaven. After that, I've got a family that is my greatest goal. To ensure that they get to heaven. But following my family, I want everybody else to get to heaven. Within Hannah's devotion, there is no doubt that she's got a devotion that her children will be devoted to the Lord. Think of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but... Bring them up or raise them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Train them up to be spiritual Christians. 
Train them up to be living for the Lord. I think of Psalm 127 and verse 3, it said, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now that reward, that treasure, you get a hold for a short time. We've got a lot of young people here. There's a lot of parents that are choosing right now, I want my kids to be raised serving the Lord. And I think there's no greater decision. I'm thankful to see each one that's here tonight because it says that your parents or you want to serve the Lord. And I pray that we all carry that devotion, that devotion that she had for her son, but also the devotion that we ought to have for ourselves as well. Notice also that within Hannah's value of prayer, we need to consider the prayer as one of the greatest things that we have going on in our life. It needs to be a major part of our life. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, Casting, listen, all. Casting all your cares upon Him. Why? For He careth for you. God's design and His desire is that when you find yourself in anguish or despair or heartache or sorrow, cast it on Him. But at the same time, when you find yourself with plenty and joy and happiness, give Him thanks. Still cast that care Upon him, the design is God cares for you. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, I love listening to, to Jude pray. Prays every night. and There's hardly a meal that he'll allow anyone to pray. If uh, he is present, you can do second prayer possibly, but as long as Jude gets to say one. One thing I find interesting in watching my three-year-old pray is that he says what his cares are. It's not the generic same prayer that I've always heard. It's always different. He's probably thankful that you're there. He might be thankful for the candy that he's about to eat. Very likely he's thankful for a show that he got to watch. But I'll tell you this, he's sincere. Sometimes we get so eager to rush through a prayer that we say the same thing that we've always said. It's meaningless. It comes from a place in our heart that we gave it no thought. Jesus said, except you become as little children. Sincerity. Make prayer a major part of your life. Okay, not only did Hannah experience despair and she valued prayer, but I want you to notice also that Hannah displayed care. We're going to skip down a few verses. 
actually we can we can roll through pick up in verse 17 then Eli answered and said go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him Woo! can you imagine the excitement can you imagine what she thought then Eli probably just felt like he uh, stuck his foot in his mouth. Eli, Eli probably just recognized, you know, I really messed up this time. But he says, go your way and let God grant your petition. Verse 18, she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. She heard that Eli said, it'll be fulfilled. You know, I think back to David and the loss of a child after losing that child. You see a different attitude. Because he recognized he wanted to go and to be with that child. He said, there's no more reason to sorrow because the child's gone. He said, but rather my goal is to go and be with him. Here in verse 18, Hannah said, there's no reason for me to cry anymore. The Lord has heard my prayer. And Eli said, your petition will be granted. All right, verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So verse 20, so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him from the Lord. Here comes the baby boy. Samuel is born to Hannah, the baby that she had prayed for and she had mourned for. Notice verse 21 through 23. The nurturing. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, when I will, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah and her husband, sorry, so Elkanah, her husband said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him, only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. We see the nurturing. You know, Hannah didn't want to miss a minute with Samuel she didn't want to let one second pass and she didn't want to take him too soon but you'll notice in verse 24 that the time comes verse 24 it says now when she had weaned him she took him up with her in three bulls one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord for this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. She said, Just as you said, the child is here. 
And just as she said in verse 28, she says, I'm giving him to you. Notice verse 28. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. Notice, so they worshipped the Lord there. She fulfilled her vow. But you know, that's not the end of Hannah's nurturing. Drop down to chapter 2 and verse 19. It says in chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, when she had her chance. When they would go to make sacrifice, she went. She'd prepared a, lo- a robe each year to give to her baby boy. You know, within, within Hannah's prayer, following in chapter 2, we see Hannah's prayer. Now, this is very similar. You can compare it, a lot of the similarities to Mary's prayer in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. But you recognize here her excitement about Samuel. Let's look at her prayer of rejoicing real quick at the birth of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No doubt she's probably thinking about Penina. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. Nor is there any rock like our God. God can overcome. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge. And by Him actions are weighed. The great judge. The bows of the mighty men are broken and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the graves and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap. To set them among princes and to make them an inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints. But the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. But God prevails. God's people prevail. Notice verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. We will see within her prayer the understanding that God will be. God is victorious. God the righteous judge will care for you. You know, it might not be that your greatest despair is overcome in this lifetime, but I promise you, 
If you are faithful to God, you will be victorious. The strength of the Lord. At this moment of rejoicing, Hannah recognizes how great God is and how insignificant everything else. But it could be that you think that the story stopped there and it only gets better for Hannah. I want you to drop down. After Hannah offers her prayer, notice that Hannah is blessed with another heir. 1 Samuel chapter 2, notice in verse 20 and 21. So... Hannah had just come back. She gave the, ro- the, the robe to Samuel. And she comes to make her offering, as they were to do. And in verse 20 it says, And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. Notice, it's not the first time he's blessed them. But he says, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord... Then they would go to their own home, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. The blessing didn't stop with Samuel, but it continued. Eli blesses her again, and we see more children. Her greatest desire, more children come her way. As you think about Hannah today, understand that we've all got troubles. And they're all very different. But whatever your trouble is, I want you to follow Hannah's example in valuing prayer. Making prayer a major part of your life. Through that, she displayed care. We have an opportunity to choose to help one another. If we get lost serving, it's a whole lot easier to think less about our problems, about our troubles. And as I mentioned earlier, although she offered prayer when she was in the depth of hurt and pain... I want you to recognize that she offered a prayer of thanks when she recognized that God had blessed her. If we do those things, there's no doubt that we can feel very blessed just as Hannah did. I ask you tonight, if you're not a Christian, where would you look to find hope other than Christ? And I'll go ahead and tell you the answer. No matter what you seek, if you aren't looking to God, you won't find it. You know, Solomon tried really hard, searching the world over with the money and the prestige, the power that he had. He strived to the greatest of his ability to find pleasure. And after he gets through to the end of his life, he says, 
fear God and keep His commandments, this is man's all. This is everything. If we get the point that we understand it's all about God, then we'll have a pretty special blessing just as Hannah received hers. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I ask you tonight, why not? Knowing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth and living a perfect life, sinless, was murdered without reason. But He did it upon a cross and He was hung there for us. He was buried in a tomb and on the third day He rose again signifying that God... Christ has power over death, and so therefore you can be resurrected too. When you pass from this life and your body is laid in the grave, it's not like Rover, dead all over. But rather your spirit lives on. And that's the power we see in the resurrection. Are you willing to be buried in the water, giving up the old life, the old way of life, giving your life to Christ, understanding that you will rise to walk in newness of life. I mentioned this morning, for me to live is Christ. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to make that change, oh, the blessings in store will far abound the despair that we suffer through now. If you haven't given your life to Christ, please do so as we stand and sing.